There are some who call me Tim. Sun and around the world. Tim Jacobs here. Thank you so much for joining me on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. This is your one hour wide with God, your spiritual Zumba class. It is the thigh master for your soul, and it is also live. And I'm not joking, it's actually live. Because if you've been listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs over the past six weeks, you'll have noticed that it was not live. That sounded just like this, except it was a pre recorded show from an earlier time. And that may have been annoying to you. You may have thought to yourself, I don't understand. I tune in at four. I'm here. Where is this guy? Where has he been? Well, as I mentioned on each one of these shows that we were replaying for you, I had a bit of a break where I was in South Carolina at Fort Jackson, actually, doing some uh, training um, for the my position as a chaplain in the Air Force Reserve. So that's where I was. It was part of a part of an introductory course that I had part of joining. I'm, I'm an old guy for joining the military. I'll be 41 in just a couple weeks. And just by God's grace, I was able to get in right in the nick of time. And so all that to say that part of my basic training getting spun up to being a, uh, a member of the military and serving in the chaplaincy as a reserve Air Force chaplain was to go out to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. So anyway, this is the show, by the way, that, and I'll talk more about that in a minute, but this is the show, by the way, that helps you make sense of the world. You can find more about us, out more about us at timjacobslive.com. Go to the Facebook page, Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, and I am the senior pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona, in the Wild West Valley out there. And if you ever want to join us, you need to come and visit Compass Church. If you're already going to another church and you think it's just amazing and awesome, that's fine. You should not ever come to our church because you're plugged in there. But if you're like, hey, I have nowhere to go on Sunday. My idea of worshiping God is like walking down the sidewalk. Nope, you got to come hang out with us because we have an 8.30, a 10, and 11.30 service every Sunday we live stream at compasschurchaz.com so you can watch it. You can try before you buy. You can check it out because you're going, I don't know what these guys are going to do. Are they going to roast a goat in there? Are they going to, their service is going to be three hours long? Are they going to make me introduce myself in front of all these people? That actually happened to me while I was in South Carolina. I visited a full gospel church. If you haven't been to a full gospel church, you, you got to check one out because it was an hour and 15 minutes in of just the music. I was going, holy cow. Because for us, like an hour and 15 is like, we're out of there. You know what I'm saying? Um, we just, we just like get it done. These guys are just getting prepared. And so like hour and 15 minutes, the guy gets, starts getting ready to preach. So I'm thinking, okay, this is really going to be long. We left after two hours because I'm like, I got to eat lunch. Anyway, that's probably bad. But, uh, but in any case, but I actually stood up in the middle of the church. They gave me a microphone and I introduced myself as a visitor. And, um, you know, it was just awesome. It was, it was in Columbia, South Carolina, great church. I, was, I stuck out like a sore thumb because I was the only non-African American person in there. So uh, me and one other guy. So it was great. It was great. But anyway, I'm trying to get my life back together here after being gone for six weeks. And it was so great to see my, my family. I got back, by the way, on National Donut Day. Did you participate in National Donut Day last Friday? Did you even know it was National Donut Day? 
Um, I did. And I, you know, I'll just tell you, I had not seen my wife in six weeks and uh, she shows up at the airport and uh, she presented me with a box of donuts and a bottle of wine. And I'll tell you what, it was just a, just a wonderful opportunity to be able to reconnect with my family. But I celebrated National Donut Day, even though I don't normally have them. So you missed it. You'll have to wait around for next year. But I'm trying to get my life back. And one of the things that I have, we have so many things to talk about, by the way, I'm just, and I, I feel like I haven't talked to you in so long. But so, so I'm, I'm trying to like get everything put back together, you know, appointments that I made before I left. And I make this dentist appointment. And so I realized that, you know, when you make a dentist appointment and then they, you know, you show up and then they say, all right, when do you want to make your next appointment? And it's like six months down the road. And you're thinking six months, like I may not even be alive in six months. You know, I mean, I may not even be living here in six months. I may not even be dentist anymore in six months. I don't care. Just make it at two in the morning, five. Anyway. So I set this dentist appointment and, and I just didn't even care. I was like back around Christmas time. And I'm going, I don't care. Just make it any time of day. I don't, whatever, who cares? So obviously I make the dentist appointment like the worst possible time and I and I don't even remember to change it until the day before. So I call them, I'm like, I'll be nice and tell them I, you know, I can't make it. And and they're going, well, you know, that's fine, but but uh, we have this like 48 hour cancellation policy. I'm like, what? 48 hours? That's like two days. Like, you know, we're and so if we can't fill your spot, we're gonna charge you like 75 bucks. 75 bucks. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, can we make a deal here? Because if I go back and think of the amount of time that I have spent sitting in your offices throughout the course of my life waiting for you to actually follow up on the time that we both agreed on that I would show up while I've been waiting and waiting. If I just charged you a dollar an hour, we'd be more than break even on this thing. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I'm just, I got that. I got a million other things I'm trying, but it's all good. It's all good because I got a, a ton of things to talk to you about today, but I do want to make this point and I don't want to talk too much about the chaplaincy um, I'm uh, just because I, there's so much to talk about, but I will tell you this. When it comes to, uh, to, to military chaplains, and I can only speak for the Air Force, um, but I think it's true with all of the branches of the military, uh, the, the, the military is in very good hands in regards to the chaplaincy. The men and women that I had the opportunity to train with over the past six weeks are actually absolutely phenomenal people. They're passionate, they're intelligent, they're motivated, they're excited, they get it. And I know that there's a lot of, especially like a lot of Christians that are kind of freaked out about, you know, what's happening with the military. And, and there, you know, there's some stuff going on that isn't exactly the um, the things that would that Christians would love to see happen. But at the same time, I just want you to know that um, that God's doing amazing things in, in, in the chaplaincy. And... I have been amazed at what I've been able to do as a chaplain in the military. And so it's, it's, an, it's a wonderful, uh, great, beautiful, wonderful opportunity that I've, I've had. And um, just to kind of put your heart at rest, because I think people get freaked out a lot about a lot of things that they can't control and they can't do anything about. Um, but I, I do think that there's tremendous opportunity. If you have any questions about that or you just want to talk about anything today, the number is 602-368-3776. That is 602-368-3776. 3776. Talk to me about anything you'd like to talk about on your drive home today, or if you are listening to us on the TuneIn radio app that is available to you that you can download and find us. Also, you can listen to the station app. You can download that, the 1280 KXEG station app. Now, my friends, 
I have a little announcement for you that I need to talk to you about. Um, and I don't know how other, any other way to say this. It kind of bums me out, but I'm just going to shoot straight with you that, um, as you know, I've been doing this once a week for a while and uh, it's been wonderful and it's been exciting and everything else. At the same time, it has been a, it's been quite a journey for me to be able to do this and continue on with the other things that have going on in my life. So I wanted to let you know and want you to be the first ones to hear that um, as of today, this I, our show is going to be taking a bit of a hiatus. And so this is my, um, not goodbye, but a little bit of a farewell broadcast and as much as I hate to say it, and as much as my producer Mark is like almost strangled me earlier because he's like, what? Um, you know, and been so encouraging to me and I've so appreciated the station here. I'm, I'm at a place right now. I'm a, I'm a young father. I'm not young, but my kids are young. They're eight and 11 and 14. And um, I just in a place in life with pastoring and so many other things going on that that to be able to pull this off once a week and do it really, really, really well has been a bit of a challenge. And so what for at least for the foreseeable future, this is the last time that I will be live on the air. And I just want to share that with you. Um, The reason why I wanted you to know this more than anything else is and I guess the thought process for me is that we all have to make choices in life, you know. And I've always been someone who like runs headfirst into stuff and I get excited about things and, and I just go for it. And I like, I'm like, you know, experimenting along the way. And I've absolutely loved this. All of my previous shows will continue to be available. And we certainly have the better portion of an hour to be able to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we've had some hard hitting, relevant topics, some great, amazing guests, but, um, I needed to share this with you because, like I said, there's choices you have to make in life. And I'm one of these guys that's always wanted to do, be able to do everything. And then at some point, life just kind of like, you know, God kind of gets, grabs you and says, you know what? You can't do everything. You got to pick some stuff. I'm like, all right, I got to pick some stuff. So unfortunately for me, um, this is going to be me stepping away for a season from, from doing the live show. And as I am kind of allowing and really kind of being, cause my number one job is to be a follower of Jesus, right? That's my number one job. My number two job is to be a good husband. And I try to do that with everything that I got because I have this most amazing wife on the planet. And you thought you had an amazing wife, and that's cool. You should always think that, but you know, just because you just haven't met mine. Anyway, then I got these three amazing, wonderful, beautiful kids. And so my job is to be a, um, a godly and faithful husband, and then to be a godly and faithful father, and then to be a pastor. And everything else kind of flows out from there. And so this season, this is a season in my life where I'm going, you know what, God, I want to, I want to bat a thousand in those things. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to bat like 150 and I don't want to be, you know, uh, I want to be able to kind of, at least as far as I can be, be in the so-called hall of fame, at least as far as my potential in those areas, which means I got to do those things well. So that being said, um, the, you know, tough choices you got to make and the way that it is at the same time, I've absolutely loved being with you and hope to at some point pick it back up again and continue to be with you. But this is your opportunity This is your chance. Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, 602-368-3776. So let's get into some of the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about today. A few things came up while I was gone living in room 205 of a hotel somewhere in South Carolina because there was no room for me in the inn in Fort Jackson. So they like kept, they like kicked us off base and which actually really awesome. If you haven't been to the South, the South is a, a great 
place, actually. I really enjoyed Southern hospitality and enjoyed the food and enjoyed, even the weather wasn't even that bad. But there's a few things that came up while I was gone that are very important topics that I want to raise with you. The first thing is this, that the Pew Research Center came out with a poll, and when it came out with this poll, it just kind of sent shockwaves all throughout the Christian community and the culture in general. And the big, amazing, horrible news was that according to their research, that Christianity in America is dropping like a rock, that it is staggering how in just a matter of seven years— According to this poll, people are rapidly becoming more secular and rapidly becoming less Christian. In fact, the article that I was that I quote I was looking at from USA Today says the United States is a significantly less Christian country than it was seven years ago, and they go on to say that is the top finding. Yada yada yada. Now it's funny that like right after that it says Christianity still dominates American religious identity at seventy percent. That's a lot. Seventy percent. You know I have a question for you. Do you think in Phoenix, Arizona? That on Sunday morning, 70% of the city is at church. Mark, do you think that's true? That 70%, that seven out of every 10 people are in church somewhere? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think there are enough worship auditoriums with enough seats in all of Phoenix to fill seven out of every 10 of the 4 million or however many people we have in this city. We just don't have the space. So that was a little suspect, even if it's dropped down to 70%. That still seems like a radically high number to me. And of course, it said atheists and agnostics have nearly doubled their share of the religious marketplace and overall indifference to religion of any sort is rising as well. And so it's doom and gloom, right? It's like, oh my gosh, here we go. The, the world is going the wrong direction. And you know what? There may be some truth to that, but I, I, I am always going to be a contrarian, whether I'm broadcasting from this microphone or whether I'm like standing on a street corner with a sign, not that I'd ever do that, but I will always be the contrarian in this because the world wants to pump bad news at you 24-7 because if it's bad news, you'll buy it. If you're afraid, you'll listen. Now, the wonderful um, contrarian response to this was written by a guy named Ed Stetzer. I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple times. Ed Stetzer is a brilliant guy, and I've quoted him before because I just think he's a smart guy when it comes to Christian stuff. And he wrote an article in Christianity Today in response to the new Pew Forum data. And what he's, the way he interpreted this was, and even the way the Pew Research interpreted this, was that when we talk about the reduction of people identifying as Christians, what we are referring to primarily is the drop in people who are what we would call nominal Christians, Christian in name only. Okay, these are the people who, when it comes to checking the box of religion, they don't want to check Hindu because they're not that. They don't want to check Jewish. They don't want to check Muslim. They don't want to check Buddhist. And they don't want to check nothing because they're like, well, I guess I'm something. And so they check Christian. That number is the number that's going down. The other the number that's going down is the number of mainline people. Now, if you're a mainliner, I don't mean to offend you at all, but it's no secret to you that you guys have beautiful churches that are empty. They used to be full, but they're empty. Their people are just, they're gone. Okay. Now, why is that? 
Well, and again, let me, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just a sweet smiling guy on the radio. You can't see me smiling because it's radio. But the big reason why mainliners are dropping like rocks in terms of attendance is because by and large, much, not all, but a lot of the message of Christianity has been dropped from mainline Christian presentation. So I'm going to go to a church and I'm not going to hear about Jesus. I'm going to hear about how I need to be a good person and I can believe this and believe that and believe whatever. And so there's like kind of no reason for me to go because there's no difference between you guys and like the Elks Lodge, you know, we're all to get together and, or maybe we'll go do some community service projects like the Rotary Club. And I might as well go there because it's more fun or it's different or whatever. They meet on Wednesdays and I, I can't go on Sunday, whatever the case may be. But it's like no reason for me to go and listen to someone tell me something that I already know, which is I can believe whatever I want. So in the absence of a message, in the absence of conviction, in the absence of passion, in the absence of something that would really have a life transforming effect upon you, What do you have to say anymore? So, you know, a lot of those guys have lost their relevancy. And then what's dropped is the amount of people who say the word, I was born Christian. I was born Christian. Like, I was born Jewish. I get that. I was born Greek. I was born Irish. I was born Hispanic or Mexican or, you know, Honduran or Ecuadorian or whatever. But you're not born Christian. Everybody knows that. You know what I'm saying? No one's born. So even like, so here's the thing. The people who identify themselves as Christian just because they're not anything else, that number is dropping like a rock. Now, is it true that evangelicalism um, is getting hit uh, as well. Yeah, it's true to a degree, but evangelical Christianity in particular, in other words, when I say evangelical, what I mean is people who teach the Bible as though it's actually true. So when you show up on Sunday morning, you actually have something that you actually believe in and believe with all your heart. I talked to this guy, I, you know, and you, those of you who know me a little bit, cause you've been listening to me on the radio, 602-368-3776, by the way, is our number 602-368-3776. If you want to get in on this conversation and you want to like, you know, ask me a question or agree with me or disagree with me or yell at me or whatever. So but I talked to this guy. It was like the weirdest conversation because we were at this, there was a whole bunch of us that went out and um, while we were in South Carolina one night and I, and, and I struck up a conversation with this guy, like two people over, you know, so I was felt bad because I was like spitting in the guy's food next to me while I was talking to this guy because he was like two people over and it was loud and he couldn't hear me very well. And so he said, he made the statement, he said, you know, I don't believe that there's anything, um, I believe that there's no such thing as absolute truth. And I'm like, oh, I want to talk to this guy because like I got that down, right? Like that's the one thing I know how to really hammer on. So I said, oh, okay. So, so you believe there's no such thing as absolute truth, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, is that the absolute truth? I'm thinking, because I got him, right? And he's like, no. And I said, well, wait a second. So there's no such thing as absolute truth. Yes. Is that the absolute truth? No. So there is such thing as absolute truth. No. And I'm like, dude, you're like making my head spin. I, I can't, what are you talking about? He's like, well, hey man, like nothing is real, you know, like time isn't real. And like, and I go, is that, is that true? I don't know. <laughs> are you serious, man? Are you for real? So like, are you right and I'm wrong or am I right and you're wrong? I don't know, man. And I'm like, I, I can't, like, I can't, 
I can't have a conversation with you. Like I never met anybody because he's like, well, no, don't you know, like this is philosophy, man. It's like a game. I'm going, no, no, no. In a game, there's like, there's rules. Like if we were playing baseball and I hit the ball and I ran to third base, like that's against the rules. So if I run to third base and you run to second base and like, and no, and another guy doesn't even run at all. Like we're not playing a game. We're just running around. Like we're just, you know what I mean? So it was really a bizarre conversation. But back to my main point. The number of people who identify as Christian is going down and that's maybe not such a bad thing because, you know, it's cool to be a part of the minority. And when everybody thinks that the Christians are a majority, everybody wants to stand out. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not one of those guys. And so pretty much if this culture is going the way it's going, then most people will identify as like secular. And then pretty soon that's going to get old hat. Like, okay, duh, everybody knows that you're a secular person because that's the dominant force in the culture. And then what's going to have to happen is Christianity is going to have to be somewhat redefined. Being a Christian is going to mean something different than just a pseudo-ethnicity. Or you are because your parents were. Or that means that you go to some crazy church where they like play around with snakes and, you know, tell you the world's going to end tomorrow. Um, Some of you are like, hey, that's hitting pretty close to home, man. But listen, the point is, is that... Setzer makes this great point. And now he says, there's three things that, that he says are going to be consequences that we need to deal with as Christians moving forward with this changing culture in terms of the way people identify themselves. First, he says this, I quote, we continue to lose what some have called our home field advantage, especially in the South, folks, because I just came from six weeks in the South and everybody's a Christian there, quote unquote, right? He says, on a growing basis, Um, I'm continuing on reading him. Identifying oneself as a Christian is not a means to societal advancement, but can actually be a means to social rejection. In other words, being a Christian might come with a cost that it didn't back in the 50s or the 80s or the 90s even. You know what I'm saying? Because like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, my, you know, I know, I know I'm surrounded by Christians. But now it's like, well, you're a Christian. I'm sure I like you because you stand for X, Y, and Z. I tell you guys, for me, This is what I experienced all throughout high school. I went to a public high school in Los Angeles Unified School District, and I was routinely mocked by my teachers and others for being a Christian. And yeah, I was a little outspoken, and yeah, I was probably a little obnoxious. I know that's shocking to you, but I was probably a little bit over the, you know, beyond the pale in certain respects because I was fired up about my faith, and I got severely upset when people, um, you know, gave me a hard time about it and I just fought back and maybe I should have been a little bit more mellow but in my life to think in like 20 some years I've accomplished that at least to some degree but I remember I will tell you this guys for somebody like me who has kind of a rebellious attitude anyway when I was young the greatest thing in the world was to be in a situation where the authority was somewhat against me because I was against any kind of authority at all. So if I had gone to a Christian school, I'd have been like a horrible, horrible kid. Because I'd have been like, that's the authority. I don't like it. Because I just didn't like authority anyway. I had a lot to learn because I was young. But because the authority was, was I don't want to say anti-Christian, but certainly certainly hostile to Christianity. And I have story after story after story about that. I fit, very, I fit in so well because I'm like, okay, 
uh, I'm a Christian and they don't like me because I'm a Christian and that made me feel good. And it helped define me and refine me because I had to actually ask the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I'm, am, is it worth it to me to pay the price for being a Christian? Do you see what I'm saying? Because I wasn't like everybody else. It wasn't like the mainstream thing anymore. And I don't think that that's bad. I don't think it's bad to be someone who may be in the minority culturally. And as much as you might feel that you're in the minority, it's still a pretty great majority. It still says 70%. It's going to have to be something. Jesus is going to have to be rediscovered by our, by our population and not in the way he's been packaged by the typical church that most people ran kicking and screaming out of because it was mean and boring and weird and non it didn't connect with the culture and didn't interpret scripture correctly and didn't present a Jesus of love and mercy and grace and forgiveness but presented like some set of rules and regulations made by man that made everybody mad. Second the thing he says as he says, the quote, squishy middle is collapsing. Nominalism will go its way. I believe the future of Christianity in North America will look more like present day Pacific Northwest. And so he talks about that. In other words, very secular, but the, but the Christianity that is there is very strong, is, is countercultural, but, um, but not kind of in your face. You know what I mean? It, it, they, they're, they're, it's, it's present there. And then finally he says, um, uh, it's still a vast overstatement to see this as a collapse of the Christian faith in North America. The reality is the evangelicals have been relatively steady as a percent of the population over the last few years. Um, and you know what? The, the fact of the matter is that that's still there, but there is, as he goes on to say, a cause for great concern. Now, how do we deal with this? How, how do you be a Christian with a smile on your face and a world that is rapidly evaporating in terms of its identification with you? Well, we will talk about that in just a moment, as well as we're going to get to the Bruce Jenner thing. Um, I want to talk about that as well, because that came out last week and I didn't give much of a chance to talk about that. I'll just give you some ways to think through that. But let's talk about how to be a Christian in a very changing world. When we come back from the break, I'm Tim Jacobs. Hi there, Tim Jacobs here. I want to talk to all of my listeners living in the Phoenix area. And if you're like me, you're trying to stay active. And sometimes maybe your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash. And if you find yourself getting hurt, maybe you pulled something and you don't want it to sideline you, you need to go see my friends at ChiroFit. They are a full service uh, chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, and they have locations all over the valley. They have one in Buckeye and in Peoria, Tempe. They just opened up another location in Avondale. Go to chirofitgroup.com. That's chirofitgroup.com or call them at 623-773-2000 and just tell them, say, I'm hurting and I need help. And they will get right on it and you can go down there and you can start feeling better today. So again, chirofitgroup.com and tell them that Tim Jacobs sent you. Hey everybody, Tim Jacobs here. You are listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. It is 27 minutes past the hour and we are talking, I am talking with you about um, this whole study that came out a few weeks ago about how Christianity is dropping like a rock in the culture and, you know, what do we do about it? And really kind of the overall theme that um, 
I don't know. There seems to be a lot of fear. There seems to be a lot of fear in the Christian world. And I've kind of, one of my, my um, purposes is to kind of eradicate that fear because I think it's unfounded. But let's talk about that. 602-368-3776 is the number. We are live, by the way. If you've been listening for the past few weeks, we have not been live because I was away um, at uh, Fort Jackson in South Carolina, but I am back. And uh, I am back at the same time and presenting to you also the very sad fact that this is the last episode, at least for a while, last installment of Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, um, as I have kind of done some evaluation and looking at my life and trying to prioritize some things. I'm in a season in life with kids and a wife and church and everything else and and um, just trying to do all those things really well. Maybe you can think in your own life and say, you know, um, that's a bummer that he's going to be off the air, but maybe that's causing you to think about some things in your own life that maybe, how can you sharpen the focus? That's one thing that we always have to do is sharpen our focus as best we can because the wonderful thing about the free country that we live in and the opportunities God gives us is we have so many choices, you know? And a lot of times the biggest challenge in life is is taking those choices and, and, and picking the best and make sure that the good doesn't become the enemy of the best. You know what I'm saying? Because the good can become the enemy of the best and there are seasons that you need to, to, to decide. But we were talking before the break about what do we do as Christians about these these changing times and, and if Christianity becomes more and more a minority in America and which which it seems like it not a minority but it's it's we are lessening in our influence and we see that reflected in media and, and whatnot. But I would say this I'm gonna give you two words. Two words that I want you to remember when, you, when you're at, trying to ask yourself, how do I live in a culture that is becoming more and more secular? Are you ready? You can take out a piece of paper or get your phone out and use your thumbs and your opposable thumbs and text these or write these things down. Two words. Okay. Ready for this? Create value. That's it. Create value value to the people around you. Can I ask you a question? Is knocking on someone's door when they're trying to eat dinner with a Bible in your hand and saying, hi there, I want to tell you about Jesus when they got like a baby on their arm and homework's trying to get done and dinner's burning and, or there's, you know, you're out washing your car. Is that creating value? Well, they don't understand the value I'll give them. I, I know, but is that creating, is it honestly creating value to a person? At that point, it's not. So what we're going to have to do as Christians is we're going to have to be people who create value to everyone around us, to our neighbors, which means, you know, when it comes like, look at my yard and say, you know, if my tree is growing into my neighbor's yard, that's not really creating value. I should probably cut my tree back a little bit. And if I'm a better neighbor, then maybe I'll have, that'll be a, a, an entry point into having a conversation that's spiritual in nature to them. Um, creating value means I'm honest in my business dealings, that I am the most reliable, effective, energetic, and honest person at work that I can possibly be. That someone gives me a responsibility, they can rest assured it's going to get done. You know, that's how Daniel was. We're starting a new series actually at Compass Church this Sunday called um, Riding the Waves Without Wiping Out. 
And what it's about is how to ride the waves of a shifting culture without completely falling apart in the process and without compromising your, your, your faith, your beliefs, without being stricken by fear. And that's really what Daniel did. In the book of Daniel, Daniel was a captive living in a foreign land, given a new name and, and asked to in, be in, indoctrinated into a culture that was not, he was not a part of. And yet somehow he not only retained his faith, but he created value and God allowed him to create value within that system to the point where he became indispensable. See, you guys, as Christians, we have the building blocks of what makes society and the world flourish. We have the secret, not only the gospel, but everything that, that surrounds the gospel. Of, of forgiveness and healing and hope and a second chance and love and mercy and sacrifice and, and all of those things that flow out of who the person of Jesus is. We have that like that seed of life, okay? And all we have to do is be very diligent and smart about how we put that on display. So we create value. And creating value does not mean we run around and protest stuff all the time. And create value does not mean that we run around and we are angry all the time about stuff. And that we, 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 we try to make other people's lives miserable by how upset and fearful we are. We just got to relax a little bit. And I, but you know what's funny? I know as I say this, it is the minority view in, a, in, a, in an environment like this, into an audience like this. Because I know that there are other programs on this radio station that, that really kind of seek to do the opposite. And I'm not trying to pick on it because I know there's wonderful men and women on the, on the station. But I know a lot of times the, the, the goal is to get you a little spun up. And I just don't necessarily think that you, I think you, you can waste a lot of time getting spun up on stuff that's never going to happen. So what you have to do is rather you have to be excited about saying, how can I create value to the people's lives around me so that they will see me as indispensable to them and then they will find out how in the world I got to be that way. And that's how we do it. And then people will like flock to us saying, man, who are you? Where do you come from? Well, then the door opens for Jesus. I I really, really do believe that. So, Let's, um, let's move on to the next subject that I'd like to talk about. The second thing that happened while I was away on my six-week leave of absence over to um, Fort Jackson in South Carolina. And the second thing that came out last week, and I got to tell you, can I, just, can I just be real with you guys? I might as well just be real with you guys. So like we get, we get done with one of our days and I'm, I'm like looking through my, my little iPhone and I see on the news this, this, this cover of Vanity Fair. And I see this, this woman, you know, and I'm like, I just, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good looking woman. Right. So I'm like, you know, that you just, that's what you see. You see Vanity Fair, you know, it's just she's wearing this little white thing or whatever. And you're like long hair and you're like, wow, that's, that's a nice looking woman. And then I realize it's not a woman. And it kind of freaked me out. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, I'm like, ah, whoa, what was, you know, like, whoa, hey. Well, it is a woman now, but it used to not be a woman. It's not a woman. So I was like, that's Bruce Jenner. That's Bruce Jenner. That's not Bruce Jenner. That's Caitlyn Jenner. That's Bruce, that's Bruce Jenner. I'm just being, I'm just, sh- and you know what? You know, if you're a guy, you know, unless you didn't, unless you knew right out of the gate that was Bruce Jenner, you're like, oh, that's a good looking woman. Wait, it's not a woman. Whoa, what's going on here? You know why? Because Photoshop can do amazing things and so can plastic surgery. So we got to deal with this a little bit because what happened was, here comes like the person who formerly was Bruce Jenner, okay, 
Caitlyn Jenner, as now Bruce Jenner is referring to himself as. And all of a sudden, boom, here you go. Welcome to the world, right? And there's like, you look on social media and then these Christians are like, how should we respond? How should we respond? How should we respond to this, this tidal wave, this massive shift, this introduction, this mainstream normalization of transgenderism? What do we do? There's like people that are like freaking out, you know, getting angry and blah, 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 blah. And saying, there's other people going, well, now you've got to accept this. Isn't this crazy? It blows me away how fast this has come into our society. Because until like 10 years ago, uh-uh, the country was not in the mood for this. Okay, it just was not. But it kind of makes sense because we had the same-sex marriage thing and now here this is coming and, you know, who knows what the next wave will be. So... So what are we supposed to think about this? You know, what, like, how do we respond to this? We're always asking the question, how do we respond? So let me just give you what I think, and you can disagree with me. By the way, 602-368-3776. You tell me what you think. But how we respond to it is this way. First of all, I believe, for everything that I've read and been exposed to on this subject, is that people who undergo reconstructive and surgery, I guess, I don't know what you call it, demolition or whatever, surgery to alter themselves to become a man to a woman or a woman to a man are deeply hurting and, and um, deeply hurting people, like deeply hurting in their lives to the point where they would feel this, this confusion and angst and everything else to the point where they, we would do this to themselves. It's very, very sad. Did you know and this is not a Christian statistic. This is like you can find that 25% of people who um, are involved in the transgendered uh, lifestyle or whatever commit suicide. 25%. That's tragic. That's tragic. And yet the whole world is like cheering Jenner on. Like, go for it. Do it. And I remember when I was a kid... And we'd all like, we know, run around the mountains and stuff like that. And we, we grew up in um, uh, San Fernando Valley in California. And we had these big rocks. In fact, they filmed the Flintstone movie right by my house. Um, I mean, right, because this was the train. It was all these big rocks. And we occasionally would go rock climbing, right? And you get up to a certain point. And like, there's be like where you like jump from one rock to the other. And there's a big dip in between. And if you, if you miss, like you die. And so, um, you know, but what we what you do when you're a kid is you're you're like, hey man, just jump, just do it. Why? Because you want to watch this other guy do it. You want to see what happens. You don't want to die, but you know, it's like let's just see if this guy does this, what'll happen. And and yet, if you're really concerned for his safety, which when you're like 13 and you're with your buddies, you're not really concerned for the other guy's safety. You're concerned for your own. But hey, I want you know if he broke a leg, oh well. And so this is what you're thinking. And I almost feel like the culture does the same thing. Like let's just watch Jenner and just see what he does. Oh look at that! And it's like go 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 go. And yet the research says. That 25% commit suicide. Not only that, but did you know, and it's buried in one of the articles that I read, and I can't have it right in front of me, but I, was, I read this buried right when this whole thing came out. They said that when Jenner got feminine reconstruction, feminine facial reconstructive surgery, that when he came out of it, they had to get counselors that came from Los Angeles or from downtown LA or whatever, come up and visit him and counsel with him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, if I were to get a surgery that were to remove something that was, you know, messed up in my body or to fix something and to repair something, when I came out of that surgery, I don't think I would need a counselor to, to help me deal with my depression over that. 
I mean, I think if maybe if I lost a limb or something, I'd be sad about that because I would want to have that limb. It's like I had to amputate my arm. That'd be kind of depressing. But if you elect, if you do some kind of elective surgery or some kind of surgery to remove something that you want gone or want changed, you'd think that you come out of it and be excited about the result. But apparently that's not what happened. Now, they don't tell you that. That's the fine print that counselors had to come and say, hey, man, it's all right. You did the right thing. You did the right thing. Isn't that bizarre? What is that? Like, what does that tell you? Now, I, I, got, I, don't, I don't think, I think, it's, I think Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner, whatever we want to call him, I think it's very sad. I just think it's very sad. And I'll tell you why. Because when, when I look at scripture, I read in Genesis 1, like page 3. Yeah, but all the Bible has different page numbers. It's like almost every Bible, it's like page 3, okay? Like Genesis chapter 1. You know, like they have the title page and they have like whatever. It says, God created man in his image. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so can I give you the principle on this that I think is really important. The principle is this. When we talk, let's just talk about Jenner. Okay. A woman cannot be created by human hands. That's it. That's it. A woman cannot be created by human hands. Why? Because a woman is created by the hand of God. Now, ladies, don't you know that? I mean, aren't you like a little tiny, teeny bit insulted that a man could could have reconstructive surgery and put like provocative clothes on and then and then equate himself with you? Doesn't that doesn't that at least like I thought I thought you had more to you than that. I thought like the feminist movement was about trying to say we're not about our boobs and we're not about our bikinis and we're not about our butt and we're not about, you know, our little lip gloss and we're not, we're not about those women that just make themselves look sexy to men. But then a dude makes himself look sexy to men and, and, it's, and, it's, and all of a sudden it's accepted. Like it's like, I, I don't understand that. And again, I don't mean, that, I don't mean this meanly against Jenner at all. What I, but what I'm trying to say is, is that I guess I expected more out of you, ladies. I just did. I just thought that you had a, a greater sense of who you were in, intrinsically. Because I, I, the, my, my scripture I read says that, man, the, the feminine image of God is expressed in you and only he can make that. Only he can make that. And it's the same thing with a man. Only God can make a male, a man, only God can do that. And, and so the, it, it is frightening, my friends. And it should send, you want to start getting spun up about something scary. Okay, don't get, don't get spun up about when you think Jesus is coming back because nobody knows. And if you think if somebody has a date, then they're whacked, okay? What you ought to get spun up about is, is the idea that the culture now thinks that scalpels and medication can make a woman or make a man. 
Because what's going to happen is we're going to try to do that over and over and over again. And the people who wake up out of that and look at themselves in the mirror one day and say, my God, it didn't work. It didn't work. You know what's going to happen to those people? They're going to be shut up, far away, locked in a room. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. You stay back in the shadows. Don't tell us the truth. Don't tell us, six-year-old boy who said one day that he felt like a girl, so his parents took him for transgendered surgery. Don't tell the world about your pain because we don't want to hear it. Man. You see, a woman cannot be made by human hands. A man cannot be made by human hands. And so this entire Jenner thing to me is great. I mean, it's bad for him, I think, in the long run. It's going to be kind of tragic um, because he's not going to stop struggling with it. Okay, But it's good for the culture because it's going to raise the conversation about what makes us us. You know what I mean? What makes us, what makes you, you? And we know that as a principle, the more you know about God, the more you know about you. So it follows that in a culture that doesn't not, that doesn't want to know much about God, that the less you know about God, the less you know about you. So the less you know about you, the more confused you are about you. And the more confused you are about you, the more bizarre types of things you will find yourself doing in order to find you. You see, and again, this is not to cast dispersion on the, on the, on the psychological trauma that people feel when they have this, this gender confusion. And I don't doubt that, that in a broken and fallen world, there are people who, who have experienced all kinds of confusion. But if you're made a man, in other words, if the parts that you're given are the parts of a man, then that is God telling you, you are made in the image of God as a male and your job is to do what you can do to live that out and become the man you were intended to be. Which by the way, when I was 13 years old, when I was 18 years old, man, when I was 25 years old, I didn't really know like what it really meant to be a man. I had an idea what it meant to be a man. I'm 40, almost 41. I'll be 41 in like eight days. Doesn't matter. Just a little rabbit trail. But even at 41, I'm still going, God, what, is it, what does it look like for me to live out the manhood that you've given me? Because, you know, I, gotta, I, I, have, a, I have a little secret for you. Most men struggle with, man, am I really a man? Not like, should I be a woman, but am I really a man? Like, do I have what it takes to be a man? And one of the greatest things a man can hear in his entire life is another man who's a mentor, a father, a coach, a leader of some kind come alongside and women can't do this. Only a man can do this for another man, but another man can come alongside that man and say that young man and say, you know what? I believe you have what it takes to be a man. Every man needs to hear that because every man needs to grow in their own sense of manhood. Okay. That's what 
when we look at scripture, all of a sudden we realize that's the destiny that we should be pursuing. That's what we should be trying to do. That's what we should be chasing after. But in the absence of that, you're like, well, I don't really feel like a man. So then there's nothing that tells me I can't be a woman. So maybe I should try that. And the same thing is true on the, on the other side with women who've been deeply hurt and damaged by men. Women who do not feel like women at all. Women who have gone through all kinds of pain and you know being ignored by their fathers and whatever they abuse and everything else, and one day they wake up and they say, "I just don't, I don't need this anymore." Whatever the case may be, and maybe it goes far deeper than that. But even still, we know that we at least we have some kind of structure that says that there that there's two sides of the same coin of the image of God. And in the absence of that, my friends, we will be slicing and dicing children. And cheering this on like a bunch of drunk fraternity guys, you know, standing over a cliff saying, who's the first one that's going to jump? Let's watch and see what happens to them. I'm a guy that likes to be positive, but I'll tell you this. The day is going to come when the generation of people that this was done to is going to grow up. And they're going to look around and they're going to say, where were you people? When the doctor came with the scalpel and the drugs and everything else, where were you when I needed a friend, not a surgeon, when I needed a counselor, not a pharmacist? Where were you people? Where was, now you see, you know what the culture was? The culture was saying, go for it. Because if you do whatever you want, that means I get to do whatever I want. And by the way, when that happens, because it will, who will be left to provide the guidance and the hope and the love? Well, it better be the church. Because the church, I, I predict the church is going to be full of people. And it's going to be so beautiful. I mean, I, I'm just going to be beautiful. It's going to be full of people in 20 years who walk into church and have irreversible consequences to transgenderism and found out it didn't work and found out they were still broken and still hurting and rather than commit suicide, a Christian loved them, talked to them, told them about the grace and peace and restoration and forgiveness of Jesus and they will walk into church as, as carved up as they may be as, dis, as, as confused and hurting as they may be, because that's what the statistics say that they are, and they will find restoration and peace and healing, and it'll just be one more beautiful piece of the tapestry of the body of Christ, rather than a bunch of people who walk in trying to toe the line and look a certain way to live up to a certain standard that the culture has expected from them. And we all know we can't deliver. How about that? It's going to be awesome. We're also going to have um, a fair amount of children who've grown up in same-sex marriage homes who will wake up and who will grow up and say, you know, I, I appreciate the people that tried to raise me, but I really would have loved to have had a mother. I really would have loved to have a father. And no one will be able to make the case better for a household with a mother and a father than a child who grows up in a home that purposely did not have one. And they'll grow up and they'll say, okay, well, maybe the world didn't end just like the world doesn't end for a single parent, you know, child of a single parent home, obviously. But man, it would have been nice to know the mother's, to know a mother's love. It would have been nice to have, to be around the strength of a father, a man. It would have been nice. And they're going to grow up and say, you know, I think I want that for my kids. And the church better well be prepared 
to receive people who have gone through this massive change of culture and have gotten beat up and tore up and full of regret in the midst of it. The church better well be ready to receive those people and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. We love you. Let's just get on the journey together and, and make it happen. That's what we got to do. And so, you know, I guess I just, I'm, there's nothing. See, nation will rise and nation will fall. The Bible talks about this. Nations rise and nations fall and cultures rise and cultures fall. Okay, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So whatever happens to the world, the gospel is always going to find itself. You know that Jesus says that, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and it grows like a tree. I have these trees in my yard. You have them too. Everyone thinks that in the desert, nothing grows. But you know, that it grows like crazy, especially now when it's hot and then it gets humid outside, stuff grows. You can almost watch it grow. So, you know, I'm going to watch grass grow. You can. I mean, it's like grows really fast right at this time of year. And I've had these trees and they're little tiny trees. And then one day I look out and I go, like I paid this guy 150 bucks, 150 bucks to trim my, to trim this one tree that we planted like six years ago. And it was held up by those little stilts. And now it's so huge. I can't even get up there. I mean, it's huge. And I just goes, I trim my own tree. Well, you know, I don't have a ladder big enough, so I'm sorry. And I don't have a, I don't know how to trim trees. Okay. I wouldn't, I'd probably get fined by the HOA if I trim my own tree. Cause they'd say that was horrible. But anyway, so I paid this guy like 150 bucks to trim my tree. And then I came back after being gone for six weeks and it looked like he didn't even do anything. So now I call him back and have him pay him because it's like, it grows so fast. Jesus says, that's what my kingdom is like. You can't hear it. It doesn't say, hey, I'm growing. I'm a tree. Didn't say just silently. And then the birds put little nests inside it and they poop on your car. And it's terrible. But that's what the, that's what the kingdom of God just grows like a tree. And you know what? Regardless of what happens in culture, that's what the gospel will do. So my friends, in the final few minutes that I have before we, um, we part from each other for a time, it will be a time, I am sure that you'll hear from me again somewhere, some way, and you'll be like, hey, I remember that guy. I want to remind you to be a very bold person when it comes to your relationship with Jesus and when it comes to everything in life. And I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but whatever it is, you have, as a Christian, the spirit of God within you and you can overcome that. So if you're sitting there right now and you're thinking about suicide, you need to realize that God has purpose for you. You need to put those pills away. You need to put that gun down. You need to, you need to realize that there's pe- there are people around you who want to see you live and survive and thrive in this world and want to help you with that. If there are people right now who are just feeling like, man, my, my life is just a wreck. You know what? If you're breathing, God has purpose for you. And more than anything else, as, as you're a believer in Jesus, we just live with boldness. I mean, live, live with boldness and just don't be, don't let the people get y'all spun up about, you know, when the world's going to end and what these guys are doing over here. And there's just focus on the things that you can control. Pray about the things you can't. But, but, get, but take your eyes off the internet for a few minutes out of the day and actually fo- and focus and change and do what you can about the things you can control. And you realize you have a lot more power than you think you do. Don't let things hold you hostage that will never, ever, ever really come true. The experts don't know anything. They think they do and they don't. 
I have every every year that I've been on this planet, I have heard people saying predicting the end of the world. I mean, it should have ended like back in 1988, and it didn't. And I was kind of disappointed. Um, but then by like 1990, I was happy, or 1994, because you know I was like single, and I'm like, God, I, please don't come back until I get married. Um, but anyway. The point is, is that will Jesus come back? Yeah, he'll come back at some point. He said he would. But till then, let's make the most of every day we got here. And let's not live in fear, but let's live with passion and power and excitement. So there you have it. I want to remind you, I am Tim Jacobs. You are listening to 1280KXEG. This is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. You can get this episode available at Pastor Tim Jake actually no timjacobslive.com timjacobslive.com and you can send me an email tim at compasschurchaz.com you can say hey that was good or hey man I got some problems with you you mouthy guy you um, you can email me please get in touch with me I'd love to talk with you I answer every email that I get so Tim at compasschurchaz.com come by and visit us at Compass Church anytime 8 30 10 and 11 30 a.m and I'm telling you that because I want you to remember it and also uh, remember that you can follow me on Facebook. Just go to Pastor Tim Jacobs and you can connect with me on Facebook. I try not to post like too much stuff on Facebook because it's annoying, but I try to at least give you a little bit of what is going on. And like I told you before, we're going to be starting a new series on the book of Daniel. It's going to be awesome. And if you are someone who's going, man, I'm concerned about the culture. I'm concerned about where all this stuff is headed. I'm concerned about where, you know, where things are going. Do not worry because... Um, you will be, your heart will be warmed as, and you will be challenged. Not your heart will be warm. That was kind of lame, but you will be challenged and you will be uh, encouraged. And so my friends, I want to say thank you very much to Mark, my producer, who is an awesome guy, Jacob Barker, who is the owner of our station here. And, um, I will see you around. This is Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am Tim Jacobs and you have a wonderful, safe drive home from wherever you are. And I will see you around. God bless. Bye-bye.